You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, we had a fantastic weekend doing a meal pack, and uh, our goal was 35000 We actually collected the blessings fund at the end of the year to pay for all of that. $10,000 went directly to that uh, meal pack this weekend. We packed 36,300 meals. Yeah, praise God for that. And what I discovered afterwards, they've been doing this in some form for the last roughly 15 years. Last year, we were a part of this, they packed 11 million meal packs last year to send around the world, and now, uh, sometime this year, they'll cross 100 million meals provided through Lifeline and stuff like we do in churches. So, praise God for all of you, Journey. Way to go. Super job. A lot of fun. If you didn't get to be a part of the meal pack, you need to come next year and do it. I'd love to raise that bar a lot higher, shoot it up to like 50,000 meals, send them around the world to people in need. Would you like to do that? That's what I'd like to do next year. So let's plan on doing that. I'm going to dismiss the high schools. Why don't you all stand up and say, let's pack a meal next year. You just give somebody a high five. Oh, I know. Wait, 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 wait a second. Before the high schoolers, I got a different thing to say. Stand up. Give somebody a high five and say, Go Niners! Oh, never. Go ahead. You're not standing up. I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> wow. I think I divided the church in that statement. Oh my goodness. I was just having fun. I know some of you Raiders fans are really hating me right now. I'm getting you. <laughs> um, um, who's in the championship games this year? There I go. Just teasing. It's just fun. We're just having fun, right? We're just having fun. Last couple weeks ago, I was coming out of the mall, and there was this young girl standing outside the mall. She was weeping and sobbing, and I walked up. I'm like, what's going on? I walked up to her. Hey, hon, are you okay? What's, what's happening? She said, I, I just lost $200 in the mall. I can't find it. And I felt so bad for her. So I reached into my pocket, and I pulled out $40 and gave it to her. I felt like I felt like I needed to give her something just to encourage her. I mean, I just found $200 in the mall. I thought maybe I'd give it to <laughs> you can tell somebody that joke later. Isn't it interesting? Here's why I told you that story. Here's, isn't it interesting how quickly money becomes ours? It wasn't ours before, but if you find it somewhere, or you get paid in a paycheck, or somebody gives you a gift, or somebody sends you a birthday card, as soon as you get possession of it, it's no longer God's, and it's no longer somebody else's. It's now ours. And we think... We have the right to decide where it goes. And that's somewhat true. When God gives you something, he expects you to use it. And so when he gives you money and gives you resources, gives you life, gives you anything in your life, then you are expected to be the manager of that and do something productive with it. Rachel, when he gave you a baby, you got to be productive and raise that child. Come on, give me an amen, Rachel. Amen. 
Alright. Listen. It was never yours, but you're accountable. We've been talking in this series, this is the last in the message on money, about what money would say to us if it could talk. And I've been showing you, we've been showing you, Monty, last week, that if money could talk, it would say the same things that Jesus said in scriptures, not only about money, but about all the things that would talk to us if they could. And so today we're going to close out this series talking about the last piece of what we use money for. We use money in three ways. You know this to be true. This is how you should budget. This is how you should decide what you spend money on. You give it to somebody or something. You save it for something and you spend it on something. You give it, you save it, and you spend it. Now I could do a whole other sermon on biblically why that's the right structure and you're supposed to start with giving. But today I just want to talk about spending. Because all of us, I don't care if you're a saver or not, all of us spend money. Come on. I can do this in third service because I got, you know, you guys are good till like, what, 3.30 today? We're good. So how many of you are love to spend money? You like spending money on what you want to spend it on. Come on. Even if you're a saver, you're saving it to spend it on something. We like spending, but nobody's ever talked to us about what's the wise way to spend money. Well, Jesus does today. He uses a parable. I've got a... Something's in the speaker, Monsi. Can you hear that? Okay. He says, go on. All right. Jesus uses a parable in Luke chapter 12. This is, there's so much more to talk about here, but I'm just going to briefly walk through it with you. Jesus uses a story to show us how to evaluate what we're spending money on. If you take notes, this is a great one to take notes on. So let me read it to you. The passage is going to be on the screen. You can turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 13. I want you to hear what Jesus has to say about this, because money would tell you, if it could speak to you, it would tell you, I never stay put. I'm always moving. I never stay in one spot. Even when you put money in the bank account or put it in a savings account, it doesn't stay there. It gets used by the bank to invest in something else. So every time money is moving around all the time, it moves into your pocket. And if you're like me, it moves right back out. Jesus is going to show us that today. Here's how the story goes. Jesus is talking and somebody in the crowd says to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'll come back to that in a minute. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you and your brother? And then Jesus says to them, Watch out. Everybody say that with me. Watch out. Pay attention. Be careful. Because he says, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Greed is not just about money. It's about the heart. And what you desire and what you're after. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Accumulation is not how you define life. And then Jesus tells them a parable. Now, if you're new to this, or if you're not aware of this, parables are very simple. Jesus uses a story to get to your heart so you emotionally understand the point he's trying to teach. There's always something in a parable that represents God. There's always something in a parable that represents us. And there's always one point 
to the reason for the story. Jesus goes through this parable and he says there was a ground of a certain rich man that was yielding an abundant harvest, way more than he expected. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I'll have no place to store my crops. It's so big, I can't put it in my house or my barns or my vats. or I, I can't store it enough. There's not enough room in my pantry. I've got to find some place to put all this stuff. So then the man says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, after I've got all that I need, I'll say to myself, now you can, you have plenty of grain laid up for many, many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then in my reading of this, in my interpretation of this, this is personal, but I expect Jesus to pause here. Because really, isn't that what we're taught to be the American dream? Work hard, save up, store up, retire, and then you can enjoy your life and travel and do all kinds of things you want to do. That's what you're taught. But God said to the man, you fool. Really? Isn't that the dream? This very night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus makes the point. You want to know what the point of the parable is? Here it is. This is how it'll be. For whoever stores up or buys or spends money on themselves but is not rich toward God. It'll end up just like this. Now, listen to that story and you're like, well, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about how we use money, but more importantly, how we use our lives. And there's a man that shows up I'll show you three ways to, three things to evaluate the way we spend money. The first is this, the man shows up and tells Jesus, my older brother won't break up the inheritance to give me what's mine. Now, in the Israeli his, history, the culture of the Old Testament, when an estate owned by a father was being split up after the father died, the oldest brother would be responsible for that. He would be the executor of the estate. And he would get two portions of the estate. Listen carefully, those of you who are the oldest sibling. One portion was for his family. The other portion was to take care of the family legacy, to care for all the family. By the way, I didn't really think about this until after my dad died. But after my dad died, I realized, oh, I've got a responsibility here now. I've got to keep the family together. It's my job to make sure I check in on my sister and brothers. And I've got to keep the family legacy moving forward. It's the oldest responsibility. Ooh, some of you didn't know that. So the youngest brother just gets one slice. And what's happening here is he's saying, I don't want to wait any longer. I don't want to wait for the estate to be divided. I don't want to wait for the cattle to be figured out. I don't want to wait till harvest to divide the crops. I don't want to wait till everything gets done by the exec. I want my money now. Tell him to give it to me. Now, <laughs> I'm sure your families are not like that. But how many times have you heard of families getting into serious arguments and squabbles based off of estate closings. How many, how many times have you watched or witnessed 
People arguing about money. Come on, think about it in a smaller scale. How many times does money become an argument even in your own home? Why does that happen? Well, because Jesus is making the point. Our expenditures reveal our values. It's not just about the money or what you spend it on. It says a lot about what you value in life. When you spend money, you buy it, use it to pay for things that you value. So be careful, watch out, be on your guard, because it reveals what you most, what really matters to your life. You've heard the story, he who dies with the most toys wins. You ever heard of that? It's an old saying. My mom used to say, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Friends, Jesus is making it clear that when you spend money, you're revealing what you care about, what matters to you. So be careful how you spend the money. <laughs> I, I was thinking about all my poor purchases over the years. Come on, I got a whole litany of them. Anybody other than me go out and buy stuff and then regret it later? Anybody? How many times... Have you bought stuff that broke a month later? Kids' toys at Christmas, yes? How many times have you gone out and purchased things and never even thought about the repercussions and you've wasted the money and it's gone? See, that's the point is I bought stuff and you've bought stuff that shows what we care about, but it doesn't mean it lasts. Everything you spend money on matters. And Jesus goes, watch out. Your life is not measured by how much or what you own. That's not the measure of your life. When you stand on the day that you face God, he won't say you did good, you got so much from all the money you made. He's going to wonder how you used what he gave you to bless the lives of of his kingdom and others. Jesus says, when you make a point of a decision, just like this young man, pay attention to what values you're revealing in the purchase. Boy, that would stop us from buying a lot of stuff. Second thing he's saying is he goes into a parable, and the parable talks about this guy who has a big harvest. And again, this is, goes right out of Monsi's sermon last year, last, excuse me, last year, last week, where he said, don't raise your standard of living when you get more, raise your standard of giving. Like, you've already got enough, you've been living off of what you currently have, so don't go out and buy the big, next bigger house, bigger place, bigger barns. But that's what this guy does. He says, oh, I got so much harvest, I got to store it somewhere, it's for me. Everything that I get is for me. And so I got to store it in the bigger barns. He starts building bigger barns, he wants to store it in. Now, you've probably never done that. You know, like, you got more families, so you got to get a bigger house. You got, you got more stuff, so you need... A storage unit. I won't even ask you to raise your hand if you've got a whole garage full of stuff or a storage unit full of stuff. 
but most of us, especially in this part of the country, that's what we do. We store more. Years ago when we started the church, we had all these people. We didn't have a building. We didn't have a place. We were always in and out of a school. So we, we would take stuff, and I rented a storage unit, a 20 by 10 storage unit, to put things in that people were giving us. Churches would close. Other people offered us. They'd give us, hey, these books or these things that we want to give. Can we give them to the church? Maybe you can use them. I'm like, that's great, but where am I going to store them? My house? Oh, I'll get a storage unit. That'll be a good idea. We can store this for later. A couple years later, I'm thinking, I put all that stuff in the storage. It just sits there. What am I doing? And then I figured it out on paper. Here's what I'm paying per month on the storage unit. Here's, here's how much that is per square foot. Here's how much I'm paying my mortgage. Here's how much that is per square foot in my garage. Here's what it is in my bedroom. And I just start calculating what I'm spending, what Scott McFarland is spending on storage space for stuff that was already paid for Think about it, and you're paying for it again. Come on. How many of you are paying for stuff again because you're storing it for later? Anybody other than me? Unbelievable. So I vacated the storage space and got rid of everything we weren't using. And it saved the church and me money. Friends, Realize this, every expenditure we spend money on is either being consumed or it's going to be maintained. Think about that. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Dinah's never going to buy me a sweater again after today because I was telling the story about this beautiful green sweater that she bought me recently, and it's gorgeous, and I love wearing it. It feels really good. I love wearing it, but it's one of those sweaters that you can't dry. Are you with me? Anybody have clothing that you have to hand wash and then let it in? So when you buy wear this sweater, then I have to take it off and then I have to run it through the gentle cycle and then I have to take it out of the gentle cycle and I have to hang it on a chair. You with me? You guys other than me? Leave it on the chair until it dries, turn it over a few hours later, and then take it off the chair and then fold it up nicely. I can't even put it on a hanger because that'll ruin the shoulders. So then I have to fold it up and I have to put it in a special spot in our storage of my closet and then pull it out again. Do all that all over again every time I wear the sweater. About the third time I wear the sweater, I'm like, man, I wish you just got me a shirt. Guess what? I'm never getting a sweater ever again. <laughs> Think about how much time you spend maintaining the stuff you thought was necessary. You buy something nice, it's pretty, you put it in the house, oh, this is really cute. And now every couple weeks, or in Tracy, every week, you got to dust the thing. And it just sits there. When Diana and I moved from Ohio to go to Bible college to Joplin, Missouri, we pulled up a 27, it was the biggest moving van I could get, pulled up a 27-foot van and loaded it with all the things we thought were necessary for us to live in Missouri after we vacated our house. And everything else, huge, massive pile, was sitting at the end of the driveway for the trash man the next week. And we pull into Joplin, Missouri, 
And we find a place, a two-bedroom, two-bath, little apartment, beautiful place, way cheaper than what I was spending in Ohio for the house. And we unload the truck, and lo and behold, there's still more on the truck we can't fit into the new apartment. So guess where that ended up? On the end of the driveway for the trash man. But then I noticed something. A few weeks later, I just had this aha revelation. Wow, we got here, and we didn't need all that stuff. And I don't have to mow the grass, and I don't have to maintain the flower beds, and I don't have to worry about maintenance, and I've only got two bedrooms to sweep now, not four, and I don't have to build and repair anything, and on and on. I'm like, I got some time back. To the point, our granddaughter, who was three, three and a half years old, we got to go visit all the parks in that little town and go spend time together because guess what? Grandpa has more time. How much time do you lose maintaining what you buy? How many times do you throw out stuff from your pantry or your refrigerator because you never really ate it and it expired. Oh, no, we don't, we don't throw it out. We just give it to the church. Just kidding. Just teasing you. I'm on a roll today. Boy, I, you may not have me back the next week for the 20th verse. Jesus is making the point with this story that everything you spend money on has a cost, and it's not just the dollar that you paid for it. It's your time and your schedule. It affects how you spend your life. And then finally, don't miss this. Finally, the guy has done all. He's harvested. He's built bigger bones and stored it. And he's saved up all this money. He's worked so hard. And he's got his retirement. And he's finally ready to take life easy and enjoy the rest of his life. And God says, or Jesus says to him, that's when God shows up and says, that's great, but your life's over. You don't get to spend it doing what you thought you were going to do. You're a fool for wasting your life instead of sending the money ahead and using it somewhere else. And you know this is true because you've seen this in your own families and in your own friendships where people are spending their life working so hard to accomplish something to get to a means and then they get there and their health is not good and their family is broken and they've lost their marriage and they don't have the resources they thought they would and they end up dying young or dying alone and missing out on all that they work so hard for. That is foolish. Instead of using the resources to invest in people and the kingdom, and blessing people through your life. Can, I know I'm going long. Can I speak to you just, I didn't do this in the first two services, can I just talk to you, Scott McFarlane, for a minute, not pastor? I've been reading these books lately because I turned 60, and I started thinking about my life and the years ahead and what I got left or whatever that is. I've been reading these books called Outlive and Limitless and some of these things about trying to, that, that warn us that when you try to make your life easier, you actually 
lose capacity to live. If you don't exercise your brain and you depend on devices to do it, you will lose the mental capacity to grow your brain. If you don't keep working and exercising and moving and doing things with your body, you'll lose capacity for your body to function. And I've been reading these things and talking about how we're living longer. I told you this is extra. Living longer, but our bodies are not prepared for it because we keep wasting them and sitting on the couch and watching TV and doing all these things that are wasting the resource that God has given us. I don't want that, do you? I want to keep going and blessing people and doing things for them and being God's servant for as long as he gives me on earth. So instead of all wasting and leaving it all that money behind, let's send it on ahead. Instead of spending it on me, let me spend it on others. Because everything I spend money on is an investment in other people. It's building a legacy, not for just for me, but for my family and for the church and for the kingdom and for all those people that I impact. You can do amazing things if you'll use what God's given you to invest in somebody else. When I was a teenager, 13, 14 years old, my brother and I, he's a year younger than me, wanted to go on this camp experience that our youth group was going on at our church. But my mom, being a single parent of four kids, had no money to do it. There was just no way it was going to work. She even sat us down, set the two of us down and said, listen, sons, I, I really, really want to send you on this trip, but we don't have the money and it's not going to happen. So I'm just going to do something special with you. When your friends are gone, we're going to do some special things together, just us, and have some fun here uh, when they go. And we were, okay, we understand, Mom. That's just the way it is. Two weeks later, this couple approaches my mom at church, hands her an envelope, says, we want your kids, your boys, to go on this youth trip. But we really want them to go. So here's the money for the trip, and I think there was actually another 100 or 200 for needs and things that we were going to need for supplies to make sure we were covered. What a gift. My mom started crying right there in church. She was just so moved by it. And I, I, didn't, I didn't remember the couple's name. I still don't remember their name. But if I saw them again, they would be 40 years old. But I would, I would still, I would tell them thank you so much. That trip was powerful to me. And I don't remember anything about that trip except for one speaker on the last day we were there in St. Louis who spoke to at least 6,000 kids in this massive gym, this massive stadium. It was a speaker maybe you've heard of now or from years ago, but he was brand new on the scene, a young preacher that was making waves and inspiring people. His name was Dr. Jesse Jackson. Now, you may know him from the politics side, but my first experience from him was the inspiration that he gave all of us young people. Telling every one of us, I don't care what anybody else says, I don't care what anybody's told you, you are somebody. You matter. God doesn't make accidents. You have greatness in you. You can go be somebody. And he inspired all of us kids to believe in ourselves. And for a kid who was already struggling with a lot in his life, it was powerful for me. And we came back and that, that experience, even today I can tell you about it, 
50 years later, how powerful it was. I learned something from that moment. I would much rather invest in a young person than waste money on me. I would much rather give to a meal pack and serve in a meal pack than waste money at McDonald's. Sorry, McDonald's, if you caught that on video. I, I would much rather pour into our youth when they're going to camp and help support them going to camp than worry about what I can get for myself at the store. I'm telling you the most greatest joy comes out of investing and sending money ahead than in spending it and wasting it on yesterday. And I'm telling you today, that can be you. Rethink the way you spend. Is it sharing the values you really truly believe in? Is it giving you time or going to spend more time maintaining it? And what legacy are you building in the lives of others when you spend it? Listen to Jesus. He said in that parable, don't hold on to the stuff for yourself. Send it on ahead by investing it in others. And he proved it by investing his own life. Sending that on ahead so that you and I could receive the grace of Jesus and be saved for eternity. His greatest investment was what he did on the cross for you. And here's how I want to close. Next week we celebrate 20 years. Special moment. I can't wait to do that with you. Looking forward to having all of you and your families and friends come and make it a special day. But every time I think about it, it reminds me about the moment that started it all. When Diane and I were called in ministry back at a Christ in Youth conference, felt like that was our next step. We came home on from that trip with 50 teenagers. And as we were coming home, a phone call came through my cell phone and it was my pastor from our home church calling to let us know that during that week, Diana's brother, she's the oldest of three brothers and her and her, her brother that was just a few years younger than her had died of a heart tumor that he didn't know he had it. It exploded and he died instantly in his sleep one night that week. And we just barely pulled in the parking lot. We were weeping at the loss 50 kids surrounding us and praying over us. And what hurt the most wasn't that he died. It was that we had not talked to him about Jesus. And I swore that day I would never let that happen again. I will tell people about Jesus to my dying breath. So I'm telling you about Jesus today. He has invested in you with life and he has offered you eternal life. And he is offering that to you today. So as we close today, I'm giving you a chance for another Decision Sunday. The baptistry is warm. We have clothing for you for free, ready for you, towels ready to go. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, you can accept his investment and surrender your life to him and be baptized into his kingdom. It'll be the greatest investment you'll ever receive. If you've never joined this church, but you've been part of it, you want to be a part of the members, a part of the family, the body of Christ here, 
we do that very simply. You come forward and accept your role as a member of the body. We repeat the profession of faith that Peter made, and you're part of the family. You can come forward and do that today. If you've got a prayer request or a prayer need and something's going on in your life or you need God's Spirit to be poured over you, that's what we do here. <laughs> and you're welcome to come forward and we'll pray over you. Whatever decision you need to make, don't miss out. Today's the day of salvation. You can come forward. Even now, two of them are already coming up. You sit right there. Let's stand. We'll sing together. If you've got a decision to make, you can do it. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.